0: The following interview is part of a series about life in Saudi Arabia. Join me as I embark on a journey to learn more about the place I grew up in. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial. Or yeah. Into yeah. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, never been banned from Facebook or YouTube, never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion. Ex-Muslim host Aina. keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to episode twenty-three. I have with me today Moody. Hi, Moody. How are you?
1: Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much for having me i'm really glad that i'm with you
0: me too so you're an activist who escaped from saudi arabia you're involved in the stop enslaving saudi women and i am my own guardian campaigns you're now living in the u.s you graduated from law school in saudi and you're here to tell us about the saudi legal system and just life in saudi in general that's quite a bit you have on your plate there
1: yeah, actually, uh, that's true. Um, you know, the recent uh, campaign that we are working on is Stop Enslaving Saudi Women, which finally, like the media start talking about. And I'm really glad that we're uh, raising awareness and we are here to talk about Saudi women issues that have been silenced for decades Yeah, I actually came across you because I saw
0: a CNN clip where you're talking about issues that affect Saudi women. And finally, this is getting some mainstream media exposure. It's strangely an issue that goes largely unmentioned, unnoticed. There are so many countless human rights violations, especially towards women in Saudi Arabia. Um, But nobody really seems to want to talk about it, including Western feminists. So how did you guys get the attention of CNN?
1: Yeah, actually, that was a long journey of struggle of trying to, um, you know, get media attention. We really tried. We've been trending now for 192 days. Uh, for the campaign and to just abolish the guardianship system. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was trending every day, uh, like, almost daily. Trending uh, globally or... Yeah, like the the English hashtag was trending for a while. And also the the Arabic, it was like trending every day in Saudi Arabia. So uh, we were trying uh, to get the attention of the media and we've been ignored. Actually, uh, no one really wanted to talk about like the subject of Saudi women, especially it's kind of like they think it's a sensitive subject because a country like Saudi Arabia is... uh, Uh, a rich country you know oil country that has a very good relationship with the world uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like Embarrassed them to talk About the subject in Saudi. They might mention it like eh, Yeah we don't like it uh, We don't really uh, agree about what you guys Are doing but there's no real action Right uh, it goes to, against you know.
0: Financial interests and stuff So
1: Exactly exactly It's not like any other countries uh, Which is really ridiculous Like we can see uh, Many sanctions happens uh, In the UN towards maybe Iran or Russia or any any other countries, but none towards Saudi. The only thing they're saying, like you you have to change your laws, you have to work on that, and that's it. Yeah. So there's no real real action. Yeah. So how did you get CNN's attention. Well, that was a really long story. We created groups like me and some other women and on Twitter, and we've been, like, attacking uh, media on Twitter by just tweeting about our campaign, and we need somebody to cover our stor- our stories, what's going on, why the world is not talking about Saudi women. And suddenly, like, somebody from the CNN, um, uh, he was very interested about the stories. And Saudi women it's not only women also men were like including uh, some of the users he's uh, he lives in the United States and he's been tweeting about Saudi women and I think um, the CNN reporter was contacted him. And he also contacted us, so uh, and we, we were so lucky because of that finally happened mm-hmm. because after the first CNN report, media start talking about the campaign in Saudi Arabia. like we finally got some attention.: Yeah, I'm really glad that
0: you did. Uh, I hope that more and more people start talking about this. I'm going to tell you something funny. well, strange is that this is the first time I'm having... A conversation with a Saudi and I grew oh. up I grew up in Saudi Arabia I've lived half my life there so
1: wow <laughs> so how how it's your first time uh maybe I can guess that you you were in Saudi in some like uh, places that it's so um, maybe far from the city or something no
0: it's okay. just that I don't know if you notice but the there's a segregation between the expats that live there
1: and yeah right like compounds
0: and- exactly so I grew up in a compound and when we went outside the compound uh, it was very little. Uh, exposure to, to Saudis outside of people in the shops, right? So you pay your money, you get out, you do your thing, but you never really socialize with Saudis. So yeah, I've, yeah. Never, I've never had to speak to one. They weren't allowed in our compound. They weren't allowed in our school. Um, in fact, I think we had one, but I think she had to get special permission, and she was from a very rich and important family, and that's how she got permission to go to the Western school. Yeah. So there's these divides between us the whole time. And now, thanks to the
1: internet, I can actually speak to a Saudi. That's cool. Actually, uh, that was like uh, this kind of compounds and, you know, this community is kind of really smart from the Saudi government. I think it's, they don't really have a choice. Like, it's the only way they can uh, get foreigners to work in Saudi Arabia. Otherwise, yeah. no one would really. Nobody would come. Would, yeah, exactly. So, um, and they made sure that, like, they stay in the compounds with their, you know, life and huge uh, right. walls with, like, guards, and they're not really uh, interacting with Saudis outside, you know, because it's it's really sensitive, especially... Uh, You know, Saudi subject, uh, Saudi Arabia are not allowing uh, journalists inside the country or even any human rights um, uh, organizations. They are so
0: hidden. I remember when Google Earth started, um, you know how it has like a 3D, you can zoom into any place in the world and look just at the street views and stuff. But in Saudi, the whole view was kind of beige and blurred and you couldn't see most areas. Oh my God, I didn't
1: know about
0: that. (laughs) I don't know what it's like now, but I just remember, I think it was like 10 years ago that we were so excited to check out where we lived in Saudi. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, actually, it's really um, uh, private. And it's really hard to get uh, information. Like they don't really want journalists or a human rights activists or organizations to, to enter Saudi no. Arabia because they know it's. It's like they're trying, and they they're trying so hard just to make sure that the, the outside world doesn't really know much. Right, That's and people why they, that
0: come from yeah. the outside world are not allowed to mix with the Saudis. So I don't know if they're hiding it from the foreigners or if they're protecting the Saudis from any uh, evil no, they're not, Western they're morality or whatever. Uh, maybe it's it's That's not evil really like sarcastically, that. It's,
1: but. it's just uh, the phobia of being exposing. You know, they they are so. Uh, I mean, to be exposed to the world.
0: But is that why just, they didn't allow their uh, children in
1: Western schools in Saudi or? Yeah, it's, um, you know, schools in Saudi are, are a different story. It's really ridiculous and funny to see how Saudi Arabia outside, especially the diplomacy of Saudi Arabia, If you see how they speak, the people they're having, you would say, oh, that's a really civilized country. But inside the country, it's totally
0: like... But they're not fooling anyone, right? Like there was a Saudi ambassador that marched for Charlie Hebdo. However, the blasphemy laws in Saudi Arabia are pretty much the same. So who are they fooling? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, I know it's uh, there. They are trying hard uh, to change the image and just, um, you know, uh, spread the the denial to the world. But it's just uh, the same thing. You know, they they don't really allow any anyone and anyone who dare to speak. They're going to be imprisoned for I don't know how, how long this is what happened and this is what happening now.
0: Yeah, so I mean you studied the law there and I imagine it's quite different from legal systems everywhere else pretty much.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially it's based on Sharia. It's uh, it's like Sharia law. So Lovely. And- Yeah, and I was, um, in in the first year of school, I was so frustrated about the situation in Saudi Arabia, especially Saudi women, and I was like, maybe I don't really understand the legal system here. Maybe there's something wrong with me I don't understand. So that's why I I made this like as a challenge to really, I really want to understand this very well so I can work Within it, I can help women. But eventually, I graduated, and I I became more frustrated uh, because it's so everything is just as I thought. I thought me understanding the situation was something wrong with me, but eventually it's not. It's the whole legal system, the whole uh, criminal values. It's so much different than anywhere in, in, in the earth. We don't even have laws in Saudi Arabia that criminalize sexual assault or harassment because they really think um, it's gonna open door for women to be outside the house. This is how the legal system wow. works in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and even sexual assault, considered as adultery, zina. So then the so, woman is in trouble. Yeah, so anyone who dare to report a sexual assault, she goes to jail. This is what happened, this is what like happened now. this is now. literally openly written in the law? Well, it's, we don't really have a penalty code in Saudi Arabia, because especially when it comes to uh, crimes, it's called qazir, which is uh, totally uh, up to the judge, whether he sees it what? as a crime or not. And it depends on your luck, like how far, like how, what is the level of misogynist in the judge? Eyes, wow, you know, that
0: sounds insane. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I knew that it was, but... To absolutely leave it up to the whims of the judge is just exactly.
1: Well, yeah, I have no words. Yeah, there is a a pretty little stories have been leaked out. You know the the uh, woman from Katif, uh, she she got raped by gang and. She had six uh, six months um, jail because she spoke to the media. She went to prison. And I don't know how many hundreds of flashes because of that. She's the victim. Like, can you imagine? And And nobody wants to really speak about this. No, uh, there is a woman who recently spoke because she was uh, also in prison because she was in a, I think, a mixed party or something like that. Like, any ridiculous reason would may end up in jail in Saudi Arabia if you're especially a woman, like, going out in a restaurant with a guy or any something, like, really ridiculous. Uh, so uh, this woman was witness for, uh, she saw many women who've been 10 or 15 years in jail because she, they've been sexually assaulted by their guardian.
0: And their guardian their is like their father or brother or whoever. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and she she got punished as you know uh, as adultery. And even if her if she if she's done from jail, like she can't she can't leave the jail without her guardian agrees.
0: Right. Which imagine that
1: because her the guardian travel, would you need be, guardian's yeah, permission. Yeah. Her, her guardian would be very angry that she reported her, uh, him. So so he's not going to give her, her
0: permission to leave the jail. Exactly. Or she he thinks that she's she this brought is, a shame for the family or something. Yeah. I mean, this is far beyond the extent of my imagination. I mean, obviously, I grew up there and knew how misogynistic and how much control men have. But just... I I had no idea that it was literally up to the whims of the men, like every single thing, that there's nothing written in law specifically. At least Pakistan, which is where I'm originally from, makes a pretense of having a law, right? So it's in the books that they're against this, but in the end, it ends up sort of being the same. Women are shamed. It's obviously not as bad as Saudi Arabia, But, uh, I mean, we did have Hudud laws as as well, so. Yeah. Um, But at least they are pretending. This is just straight up, we're not even going to pretend, and these women are like animals, basically, that they can treat. Uh, however, they like
1: yeah, and uh, you know, especially that uh, the mentality of the legal system there or the judges, it's been like even uh, lawyers or even men who studied law, they're being discriminated by the judge because you know the language that the judge speak is so much different. Like when a judge is trying to um, have a fatwa as a source not like when a, when a lawyer trying to argue with him even if it's based on sharia even if it's whatever it's trying to argue with the with the judge about the legal you know argument many judges would kick them out of the court or even women, especially women, that's why I was so frustrated. Like, I can't really work there.
0: Uh, I know many- You can't argue with a judge because you're speaking to a non-mahram? Is that what it is? Or you're-
1: Something like that. And especially you really need to learn the language that he would listen to. Like Like, religious language. Exactly. So I I knew a lot of women who've been, who tried, and they've been even kicked out from the from the court. So you
0: basically like, uh, have to work within this very small framework of trying to appease the religion and the ultra-Orthodox religiosity to even be able to make your case. And anything outside of that will get you kicked
1: out. Is that what Exactly. You're yeah. There is so, a woman, she had like... What's uh, even the point? Uh, I don't know. Like it's ridiculous. It's really hard to explain. And
0: <laughs> like as foreigners, we had almost no exposure to you know Saudi legal system really because except for just living in fear of it, there were rumors, of course, about public beheadings. But I hear that <clears throat> that Saudis used to go to these, but I didn't really know of any foreigners that went to the public beheadings. And um, you know. We were just always warned to uh, never talk back to Saudis if they wanted our parking spots or whatever, just give it up. Uh, There was a guy who actually yelled at us for getting the last parking spot in the mall because he's Saudi and we're not Saudi. So he said, pull out your car and give me this spot.
1: Oh, I, I'm not gonna start with the racism inside your yeah. yeah, because it's just an endless argument. It's it's it needs another, you know, a podcast or session. Yeah, we, we don't have A right. uh, whole especially racism against foreigners, you know. And especially even, brown foreigners, yeah. Exactly. And even racism within Saudis, you know, people oh, from yeah. Jeddah, they're very like they don't like people from Brian and stuff I don't
0: know because from I have no Jeddah. idea about what Saudis are like yeah, despite living tribalism. with them. Yeah, see, so yeah. so you mentioned uh, women getting thrown in prison for like going to a restaurant with a guy, right? So we yeah. had this fear as well. So I remember our parents always telling us, be careful, always have your story straight. So like after school, if we'd go with our friends to get a burger, then everyone would have to come up with a story like we're all cousins, even though we're different races, very obviously different races of people. But we have to somehow concoct this crazy story if we're trying to get ice cream together in case we get caught. And we're always constantly living in fear. So just going for a coffee with a friend or just going for ice cream with a friend became this huge deal that we needed backstories for. Exactly. But then they also kind of didn't harass foreigners, I think, to the level that they harass Saudis. If they saw Saudis uh, at a restaurant with mixed genders together, then they probably pick on them more. Whereas the foreign kids, they sort of let them be most of the time, I think. Because we went to the restaurant often after school, a bunch of us. And though there were fears in the back of our mind, we always got our stories down. um, We were never actually... Punished or caught for that. Yeah. However, for the headscarf slipping, um, the Motawas, the morality police, uh, Motawas, they did uh, hit me on the ankle with a cane. They hit my mom on the ankle with a cane. Uh, I remember that very clearly as a kid because it really terrified me. Yeah. So there were some things that they didn't let people off for. However, I I do remember the American and British women from our compound, they often went out without a headscarf. They had like beautiful blonde hair. They were not um, bothered either. Yeah. I think there was a level of accountability that they would have to have to these people's countries, whereas if you look Pakistani, I think if you're hit with a cane, then Pakistan does not care. Yeah. So, so there was yeah, a bit exactly. of different treatment. Even though the American women, they had to wear the abaya, it was still lax. They could put their headscarf off. Later yeah. on, I think we got to a point in Jeddah where most women were okay to have the headscarf slip off. But in certain areas, the older parts of the city, the Mushawas were still around. So you kind of have to know. And at the same time, there's hotel beaches, right? Like the Marriott or Sheraton has a beach. Attached, where women go swim in the skimpiest bikinis, and mutawas are not allowed in.
1: It's very um, strange think,
0: double life.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you're talking about Jeddah, and it's not really hotels because it's it's mostly maybe private like uh, private areas. Which, no, no, the like, hotels
0: the hotels did have it in Jeddah. Yeah, Riyadh, I hear is, is stricter even. So um, I don't know what it's like there, but.
1: Yeah, there is like uh, some double standards, especially uh, classes in Saudi Arabia. We do have like privileged people who can, you know, uh, who throwing parties. For example, we never really heard about a prince uh, really getting caught by police yeah, by throwing I hear parties. Yeah, the royal
0: uh, family princes they had uh, all kinds of drugs and booze and helicopters yeah. and who knows what at their parties.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's just uh, um, there is like different treatment by you know people. So, uh, however, and especially foreigners who looks uh, more like white and blonde. So it's it's just they are really they don't really want to get involved with the problems with their embassies. Yeah. Uh, not See, like that's yeah. the accountability thing. Yeah. So not like Saudis, especially Saudi women. So sometimes to avoid getting harassed by religious police, if you're not some of the women doing, uh, they pretend that they're not Saudis and pretend that they're foreign. So they really can um you know the the religious police can go away sometimes or they just don't want to speak english or something so it happens oh. we do really have weird double standards life and um you know some people getting punished more than the others so it say depends. you
0: dye your hair all blonde and can you pretend like i don't know you're
1: yeah, from another yeah, country
0: yeah. and they'll let you
1: off easier <laughs> Yeah, it depends, and also it depends on uh, like um, it depends on what really like if you're walking in the street, it's different than uh, in a party, and there's like maybe um, uh, alcohol or something. It's it's really depends because if they got if they cut uh, you know if they busted a party, which there are foreigners from United States or any any foreign like any. Well, the Um, embassies through weekly parties, I remember hearing about them. Yeah, that's true. I was too young
0: to go to the parties then, but I hear the American embassy, the Canadian embassy, like, had a weekly party that was, you know, no less in terms of booze and dancing than a party here. But that's okay because
1: it's on the embassy grounds, Exactly. And the irony thing about it is uh, I really know about this party. And there are uh, guards, Saudi guards, who really make sure that there are no Saudis entering this party. Like any other nationality is fine. What do they do? Do they check their They try to check IDs. They check IDs. Yeah, they check IDs.
0: Yeah, one thing about IDs that's really dehumanizing as a non-Saudi is that you have to carry this uh, agama, the, the yeah. non-Saudi resident card. So at any point in time, they can just ask you to prove yes. that you're here legally. They stop yeah. your car, and it happened a lot more after 9-11. They stopped your car all the time, and then they made you pull out your agama, and then check it, they, you know, and then only when they're satisfied that you are here legally Will they let yeah. you go? So I guess you have never had that experience as a Saudi, could I uh,
1: No, not really. It happens maybe with the foreigners more more yeah. than Saudis. Yeah. yeah. So it's so
0: strange to compare notes with you because we kind of lived in the same place but with completely different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. You say, uh, I, you say that you escaped from Saudi. Yes, that's true. And... Um, Can you talk about that a bit? I understand that it's a bit controversial and you're not entirely comfortable discussing its details, but whatever you can tell
1: us. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I used to have a scholarship. Uh, I really, it took me uh, years to convince my family after I graduated from my school to go to study in the United States. And um, recently they said, okay, after like many trying and so uh, I went I was a student I was in Florida and I studied for almost a year and a half do you study law there as well or Well, uh, yeah, it was like the pre, because I didn't uh, graduate from law school in America. So it's like in the beginning, you study legal system in Mm -hmm. general, but Mm -hmm. I was like an English course before that. So in order I can um, do my LLM. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wasn't able to finish because I went to visit my family. Uh, I had some problems and I had like many misunderstanding and they didn't really like my lifestyle and how I look and how you know how how is my lifestyle they didn't in, like in how general. you looked how, how I lived and how also how I looked and everything like I do like I kind of have uh, a not really typical Saudi style like I do have tattoos and things nice. that um, Muslims that doesn't really like you know especially mm-hmm. no matter how liberal they are so uh, I went back to visit uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, they didn't really uh, agree about like me as being so much different than them. And uh, I've been locked for like eight months and they they didn't let me go back to my study. So um, I kind of tried the two, because we have two type of people, especially uh, Saudis who've been abroad. There are like Saudis who escaped the country because they've been just oppressed for the rest of their lives before, and there are the, the privileged um, Saudis who also send you know abroad to study and uh, you know to have a scholarship or whatever or maybe from their family. I kind of like tried the two things, so I do really understand how it, it's really hurt when you have everything and you just lose it. Like no matter, even privileged women in Saudi Arabia, if you just cross the line that your family made it for you, you're gone, like your life is gone. It's just, it's very, um, how can I, I don't really know how to put this word, like uh, even family love, it's just, um, it's it's not true, it's like it's conditional. It's conditional, yeah. yeah. It's it, If you did that, we're gonna love you. We're gonna support you uh, as long as you're doing whatever we want. Yeah. As long as you're studying what we want. As long as you're doing what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. But once you're being yourself or have a different opinion than them, you just turn to be an enemy, and. Uh, you know, you even receive threats. Uh, I never expected my family to be really to treat me that way. Uh, I don't really want to go through details yeah, of, of my family in general, but uh, yeah, I eventually escaped like more than two months now uh, because I couldn't. I couldn't agree, and I couldn't. I refused the life that I've been forced uh, to live after I. Uh, Lived live the country in the beginning because I had a plan that I'm not really going back there no matter what happened. So, yeah. yeah. So, what did it
0: feel like when you finally knew you were free and you're your own boss, your own guardian? Yeah. What does that I, feel like after a lifetime of having a guardian where you can't even, you know, travel or leave without their permission?
1: Yeah, exactly. It feels really like, it feels, I don't know, freedom? How ca- can I say it feels freedom? <laughs> because it's just something, uh, it's uh, beyond like me describing how it feels. So uh, it has, uh, you know, a really, really good feeling to be free and to just be yourself. Did you do uh, anything also- to celebrate your freedom? Well, at the beginning, I still uh, have, uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't mean that I love the country, that I have everything. It's just, I'm still struggling. Like I'm told, I told you, I'm not from the privileged woman who've been sent yeah. to good school and have a, There, you know, I'm trying to make it on ready your own. And yeah. Yeah. I'm really struggling and I am now building my, my life from scratch, yeah. from like being dependent on my family for 25 years. 26 now so it's just everything is very new to be
0: told And in Saudi being dependent means really being dependent so I can't imagine what it's like to all of a sudden have to fend for yourself when every single thing has been done for you and you've had no freedom to exercise any decision making or or even do the smallest things for yourself so I, I imagine it must be very scary as well But you're very brave to do it. And uh, honestly, I think it's wonderful. I hope you stay here and, well, stay in North America and, you know, get to do whatever you want. I hope so. What are some of the things you really like about life over here? I know you're just struggling, but are there any small joys that you really appreciate?
1: I really appreciate, you know, freedom, of course, uh, just uh, the fact that I, I decide what I'm going to do in my like, daily life, even basic things, just to ha- to decide that I'm going to a grocery shopping, for example. It's something very simple and very ridiculous. Yeah. It's silly. But I don't really need to find a driver to drive me or or asking my family or asking whoever I'm going to the supermarket. So if somebody wants the driver or not, you know, something do you weird, drive silly now? like that. Yeah, I do drive. I've been driving like for two years and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it feels good to just have, you know, to drive and go whatever you want.
0: That's great. That's, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've never mentioned this on air, but... I I I totally blame this on growing up in Saudi Arabia but I ended up with a huge fear of driving. So <sighs> when I was okay. a teenager, I really wanted to drive, but then I did not have the opportunity to drive. You know, I was fearless and I was like, yeah, it doesn't scare me at all, but now as an adult when I have a chance to drive and also when we You know, when we moved to Toronto, I went to university. Uh, I kind of lived on campus and we lived in a big city where, you know, subways and streetcars, there was absolutely no need for a car. But as you get older, you have, you know, more need for doing things further away. You absolutely need a car. Yeah, right. And um, And for me, it's just been a very recent thing that I have been able to get over my fear of driving, I have solely, solely worked on it over the past two years, and just recently, I got my license.
1: Oh, congratulations!
0: Thank you! <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, so Arabia made this, uh, you know, a, a very complicated phobia for you. Yeah, it really did. It <laughs> yeah. became
0: such a big deal because it, it wasn't done. Um, at a at an earlier age, it became a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger fear as I grew older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still scared, but I'll get over it. Slowly, Sometimes we slowly.
1: we, we react. You know, we react about things differently. For example, I do really like driving. And last year, uh, I think I don't really know if I'm the first Saudi uh, who worked in uh, in Lyft. I worked uh, when I was a student last year. I, was, I worked work at Lyft. It's like Uber. Oh really? That's awesome! Yeah, I was like, "Oh, Saudia yeah. is
0: freaking and out about that Saudi, right now."
1: Like, it's really funny when I have this conversation with my, the passengers. Yeah. Like, you're like, "Where are you from?" From Saudi oh my God, you're not allowed to drive. How are you driving here? And they're like, how long have have you been driving? Because they're, they're terrified that we are not allowed to drive and now you're driving here. And I'm like, don't worry, I'm a good driver. That's <laughs> so, so awesome. It, I can't tell it, you how awesome that
0: is, that you actually... You know, make money driving, and they couldn't stop you, you know? I mean, they got into my head. They screwed me for a long time, that upbringing of having a driver or having to have a driver all the time. And even in Pakistan, actually, people have drivers. Women are allowed to drive, but traffic is insane with donkeys on the streets and camels on the (laughs) streets. So people have drivers. So I never really needed to drive till recently, and... Yeah, here I am. It took me about two years to get over my fears. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, wow. I can't believe I just said that on air. That's (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Okay, so back to Saudi law. What are some of the other things that are written or unwritten um, that kind of shocked you when you were studying Saudi law about women?
1: Yeah, about women. It's really, uh, since like really all regulations and rules, it just, you know, make sure that women are just the property for the state or for the family. So even leaving the house, like for example, it's really funny when they just abolish the guardianship approval for work, if a woman wants to work. But on the other hand, so before she have, would have to get permission from her guardian, her husband, yeah, which, brother, which many, yeah, which many companies are still not like asking for the permission. But the irony is, so the company uh, even, actually wants
0: a permission letter, in, or used to want a permission letter
1: yeah, yeah, but they abolish this this now in the uh, in the labor law. but okay. there is something is really ridiculous that is still going on is the guardian can report to the police. He can just call the police and tell them, uh, I have uh, my daughter or my wife is is uh, like escaped. And she there is a regulation about escapees, women. Jesus! Like, are they prisoners? Like, they're let. Yeah, 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 yeah. They go to jail until you know their guardian agrees to, uh, to release them. So it's really funny. Like, even if he's gonna allow her to work, okay, uh, or oh, sorry, even the law are gonna let her work, we still have this regulations with the police. Like, even if the guardian doesn't want her to work, so she can't really leave the house without him uh, approving. You know. So it's it's just. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of this, they base this on
0: religion, right? So that's where yeah. the roots are. Um, yeah, exactly. And so then you can't argue with it, otherwise you're blaspheming and then you're really screwed.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, and I don't really think there's uh, any um, any sign of a reformer especially from the, uh, you know, the Saudi government, because we don't really have a, a parliament uh, that it's been chosen by people. People cannot vote yeah, for yeah. any any kind of flaws or lawmakers. The, the, only, the only human can make the law is the king. Nice. He's, he's the only one, uh-huh. and so... <laughs> So it's just um, you know we do have a parliament that just gives suggestion and advices that's it it's just uh, like a picture so uh, so yeah it's um, I don't really know how what, what's gonna happen to like later the first step is really the guardianship system has to be abolished do you see this hope in that
0: step. do you think that's realistic as a goal I
1: don't. I, I used to have hope, especially after the campaign, but after their reaction, especially from the media and people who, who works in the government, how are trying yeah they are really trying to create this image about the campaign that it's uh, it's from the enemies it's from people who are against our religion and uh, you know they're just trying and they they're trying to scare women also the uh, activists they just arrested a guy who uh, was supportive of the campaign it wasn't the a newspaper they, they arrested said, mm-hmm. a guy for what sorry for supporting the campaign and uh, posting posters to end guardianship, I think they just it, it arrested
0: went. him for supporting the
1: campaign. Yeah, and uh, and posting posters to um, you know to support the campaign. So, like by seeing actions like that, there is no way or no sign of you know abolish the system. Yeah,
0: I just feel like with social media like uh, Twitter and Facebook this wasn't around when I was in Saudi Um, I can't see how it wouldn't crumble when people have access to viewpoints from the rest of the world, right? So when I was in Saudi, the internet what, you know so many pages were banned when I'd look up Marilyn Manson as an angry, dark teenager. all the mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson pages were banned but now i don't know is that is that what the internet is like? Do you get that um, error message
1: yeah it's a still uh, like websites are still uh, you know it's uh, many websites, especially things that uh, would be more about. Also, porn, it's um, oh, yeah well. you, you can't access porn, and also any um, atheism, maybe, or uh, free thinking uh, websites, yeah. it's also like you can't access from yeah. Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, so, I remember being very scared to even look for anything if I had any questions about religion in my mind from over there because I didn't know yeah. what would happen. So, yeah, uh, but with Twitter, then that way, you're not really accessing the websites, but you still have the views available, yeah. so isn't that helpful?
1: yeah, it is, but I the same. You know, uh, time, uh, I think the only reason maybe they didn't like try to um, close Twitter or something is trying to get to people who are talking about opinion that they don't like, the government doesn't like. So they tried to go after these people by Twitter, which they did. They arrested a lot of people from Twitter. So they they find it a useful tool to. To kind of catch, catch people. troublemakers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and this is what what happened many times. That's uh, you terrifying. Know, I, there's a, also a very famous popular uh, story about, I don't know, Hamza Kashgari. you know him? No. He wrote a, a tweet about Prophet Muhammad, something like that, you know, the Prophet is... Uh, said something about Muhammad, I don't really remember what he said, like, if you were here, I wouldn't say hi to you, or something like that. Oh, I think I vaguely remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and he, like, many people were angry and asking for, for him to be beheaded, you know, and he fled, he fled to Malaysia, okay, uh, and the funny thing is, like, see how how the the Saudi money can reach and can do. The Malaysian government arrested him oh. and sent him back to Saudi Arabia, and he was and this going. This is the country
0: be- that people tout as the liberal. that's that's really
1: funny like how it's liberal and arresting uh, a guy who's who fled the country and seeking asylum and he wants to leave so it's so what what happened to him he he got arrested. He stayed for jail, and I think he just said that he's he he doesn't like. I don't know how to say this. Like he he doesn't believe this anymore, okay. and he's sorry, something like that. He, it's really scary. I don't so. blame him. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: it's it amazes me how little you have to say to get people to want you beheaded. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And you've since left.
1: religion Mm -hmm. as well right so yeah yeah well power to you fellow ex-muslim the problem uh, especially our communities are um they're being out there facing a battle between the far right and the far left so i really think yeah we kind of get it from both
0: ways right like we get the anti-immigrant sentiment from the far right uh, and we get the shush, don't talk about Islam and Islamophobia from the left. So we are yeah. left with no allies.
1: Exactly. Something also what made me really angry when I was in Saudi Arabia, trying desperately to raise this uh, campaign to the uh, to the media. Some of the editors said, like, "Oh, we can't really say about say anything about the campaign because we don't want to promote Islamophobia." Yeah, and it was what? Like, this is a slavery in the in like 2000 now 17. It's it's not even human rights violation. It's worse than this. And
0: editors How, in Western media outlets, like large ones, they said this
1: kind of stuff to you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it was uh, crazy. Like, I have no idea what this has to do with even this term that I, I don't really, uh, I don't really believe in something called Islamophobia Because phobia, it has to be something unreal People have phobia from something like an unrealistic And saying this word, pointing this word from a woman Who just came from Saudi Arabia Absolutely. It's studied, ridiculous It studied Sharia law It's like saying a rape victim Hey, you have a phobia from rapists <laughs> Oh Really? Oh, thank you. Like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's so fucked
0: up. Pardon my language, but it absolutely is. Um, Why would you not be terrified of something that has been the reason that you've been imprisoned and enslaved? Why would you not?
1: Something I studied since I was seven, and I've been repeating it over and over and over. And... Say like I've studied that for, from since I was like kid. So I don't really know. Like I have no answer for that. It's just it just hurt me because it's it makes us like we are less human than the other world or the other people. Uh, yeah, but it nobody wants really to stand sense. up.
0: So so you know all I can really say about that term is that it's a really unhelpful term that comes sadly from a a place of ignorance maybe not it's not ill-intentioned as in the people that use it they they want to protect minorities and that's where it's coming from but what they don't realize is that they are using a term for What's a, what is anti-Muslim bigotry essentially, which is a problem, sure. But you can exactly. you can and should absolutely criticize the ideology that causes many many Muslims to suffer in yeah, exactly. Muslim countries. This is not yeah. Islamophobia. This will not. Promote anti-Muslim bigotry. You, we have to speak up for these things. Uh, I mean, myself as a liberal, I keep yeah. fighting for this space so that the far right cannot be the only group that is addressing this. You know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> it's a I very I don't really know. Like, I, I just, I just want to reach to a point that why we are not even allowed to make jokes about Islam, like people yeah. do in Christianity. Yeah, yeah, Why I can't just go to a stand-up comedy and, you know, like, uh, can hear jokes about all kind of religion. Yeah, and we do have a very good comedy things, especially when it comes to fatwa. It's, oh my God, it's I endless can comedy. You, can you imagine <laughs> that, yeah. that the jokes just write themselves? I mean, snowmen are
0: banned and uh. fatwa against bananas. Exactly. So it's just stupid, <laughs> stupid shit like that. So, yeah. yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk about life as a Saudi woman. Thank you for being the first ever Saudi I've had such a long conversation with. I wasn't oh, buying anything you. from you. I wasn't, um, you know, exchanging words in the marketplace. This was an actual conversation. I can't believe that we... Um, have been segregated you know
1: so yeah right <laughs> thank you very very much Aina for having me and this podcast actually I do really love your podcast and um, I'm really glad that I'm uh, being part of uh, your work and uh, your uh, program so thank you so much and I really uh, would love Whoever are hearing us to support Saudi women campaign and uh, just um, even support a violation that happens, like how can rejecting- people get
0: involved? How can they support Saudi women? There are many ways. First of all, just create noise. Just create noise, uh, yeah. scream as we are screaming. Just be That's with That's an us. important like, one. And the hashtags yeah. are stop enslaving Saudi women and hashtag yeah. I am my own guardian. Yes,
1: correct. So just.
0: Uh, and where can people follow us. you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, it's uh, Moody, M O U D H I. 990. Nine Perfect. Okay. So, yeah, you take care of yourself
0: and best of luck. I will keep making noise. Hopefully, others will join in and eventually our voices will be heard. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it or contributing via patreon patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes no ian mangoes also you can follow me on twitter at nice mangoes if you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly patreon one you can do so via paypal nicemangos.blog at gmail.com remember no ian mangoes if you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest you can email me there too A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help.